0: Associate Reformed Presbyterian Church, what a blessing it is to be here together this morning and to have this opportunity to worship the Lord together. And I welcome you, whether you are a first-time visitor, or maybe you are a long-time member, and I welcome you also if you happen to be joining us online, Uh, and also whether it's live right now, what time is it, 10-0-something, September the 11th 2022, or who knows when those of you online may find this service, but I welcome you as well. We are here to worship this morning, worship we shall, but first we've got a few announcements that I want to bring to your attention. First and foremost, please be aware of the bulletin. Lots of things are going on now. Monday Midday starts back tomorrow at 11 a.m. Youth Group starts back tonight at 5.30 p.m. So parents, please make sure your kids are here. Little Lamb starts back 5.30. Amanda? Next week on the 18th, 5.30, one week from today. Um, Let's see here. Also, I'll I'll bring to your attention the fact that it's time to start the process for the election of officers. You'll notice that your bulletin is rather thick this morning. That's because you'll find a nominating form. You'll also find information about the election process um, that we go through here at Old Providence. One week from today. One week from today, we will have a very, very short congregational meeting right at the beginning of the worship service. It is a called meeting, and the only purpose of that meeting is so that you can turn those forms in. So look at that information, be praying about who you would nominate, and then we'll have that meeting one week from today. Also, we're going to have a brief update. You, You might have noticed different things going on around the church, like a few new cameras, some uh, some keypads outside of doors. We're going to get an update from Glenn Hanger, one of our elders, who is heading up um, some of our new security measures. To that end, you might have received some information when you came into the church this morning, just finding out about the situation. Uh, y'all, as far as, as information goes, printed material, that sort of stuff, um, we produce the bulletin. We have the uh, the PowerPoint that scrolls announcements and things. You might have received something that did not come from Old Providence. I've heard that an individual was handing some things out. Rest assured, that did not come from us. Okay? I don't even know what it is, so that's a little bit awkward, but nevertheless... That's what happens when you find out things at the very uh, last minute because you're in meetings and running around. Not that not that Glenn informed me the last minute. It's his fault. This is all just taking place. But nevertheless, just be aware of that. We'll have some updates on some security measures as well next week. Now, um, as far as different things happening and it being the fall and the new year starting, y'all, it's a special day. It's Rally Day today. It's that day that we focus on Christian education, and really it's the start of the new Sunday school year. So, Rob Marsh is going to come forward. There he is. Come up here, Rob, so you can have the microphone. And he's going to announce teachers, classes, that sort of thing.
1: All right. So, this is Rally Day. Good news, bad news. Bad news, weather sort of ended our rally games. So, hey, Dabby, you don't have to blow up the water balloons during church service this year. <laughs> so, but, good news is, it didn't weather out the picnic, which is going to occur in there in New Providence Hall. And just to let you know, we've got the world's best dang barbecue is coming, and the world's best fried chicken's going to be there. And i got two watermelon types that are really unusual, but are super sweet. So if you did not If you did not bring anything here, that is fine. We got so much food over there already, there's not enough for us, there's too much for us to eat right now. So first of all, please plan to come to our picnic afterwards. All right, I want to go over what's really important though. This is a time of year where we start our, our younger kids graduate to different classes, but I also think it's a good time to review our adult classes. And we have four adult classes, and we have basically right now three uh, children's classes or young, young people's classes. So let me go over those. So Amanda Malfris, and I'll get you, as uh, I mentioned your name, to stand up. Amanda Malfris runs the preschool nursery Sunday school class. So thank, she's up there, so you can't really see her, but I think everybody knows who she is. So she's there. She also needs a helper. So, if you're willing to be a Sunday school helper, please contact me or David Smith or Marla Ray. We will set you up to or Amanda herself directly because she does need some helpers with her class. The second class we have is run by Vicki Locks, and Vicki's are like our steadfast. Vicki, if you would stand up, she's our steadfast teacher. She's been doing these young kids for as long as. I can never remember having young kids, right? And they've all turned out really good, and they all remember Vicki's class. So I think she could probably use the helper too, but her class is downstairs, and, and that class is, if i got it, make sure I get it right, that is grades 1, 2, and 3, right Vicki? One, 1 and 2, 1 and 2, okay, so grades 1 and 2. The next class that we have is the junior high senior class, and you say, well, that's a pink. Difference in it from now fourth grade or third grade all the way to twelfth grade it tends to work out and I don't know why it does but that's how it's worked out and that's being taught by Lois Stockdale and Carrie Lock. So if you guys are here, could you stand up? Lois here, Carrie. Okay. They're teaching that class again. If we get more students, then we may try to split that class up. Again, I do need Sabbath school teachers. So if you have an interest in doing it part time. Please see us if you want to set it up. Now our adult classes—they they're well attended and they've been around for a long time. We have some great teachers. But I'm going to ask them to stand up. So the first will be the <laughs> willing workers class. Well, that that is um, Sylvia Richmond and Shirley Thomas. Would you all stand up if you're here, William workers? There, thank you. Sylvia's so behind. Oh, Sylvia, I didn't see it. Yeah. All right. All right. Then. The men's class, uh, and that's taught by Pat Patterson and David Smith. and you guys stand up? And that class has been around and it's a solid class. And it's it is actually um, one of the classes on the upstairs. I think all the other classes except for the young adult class, which I'll get to, is in uh, is down in that basement. And now, right on that, I think they are all that. That one's upstairs. All right, then we have the open door class, which is probably our largest class. And the open door class is taught by Gary Gerhardt and Glenn Hanger and Randy Brevard. So are there other teachers to that class? Okay. Frank Huntington. Oh, Frank Hines. Frank so the It's a well-taught class. It's a, well, it's a large class. And like you guys meet in the largest classroom, OK? So the other last class I want to have, and this is a class I want to push, is a young adult class, and that's taught by uh, Terry Gordon and Rebecca Harris, if you all understand. Now, people ask me, what is a young adult class? If you think you're young, you can go to the young adult class. <laughs> <laughs> At first, we said, it's, if you don't have grandkids, you could go. But then we found there were some young people with grandkids. So we said, and we thought, maybe it's generation, what are the different generations? I don't
2: know, generation X, millennial, and generation
1: yeah, they're all white. Yeah. Right? <laughs> they're all to That class. That class meets down in this, in the basement underneath here. So it's a fun class. We're going to try to rebuild that and do things, and and as well taught. And my kids have gone there sporadically, and they've enjoyed it. So I thought I'd take up enough time, but I thought it was important to recognize our teachers. What we will do after after church service. We're going to ask people to go to the classes that they would be at. Alright? To go down to this class and see where it is. And then we're going to try to organize a tug of war in the basement of New Providence Hall. Now, it's going to be on your butt tug of war. So, because we've particularly had a tug of war during the round. Day. So, you can't wear any shoes, and you've got to sit on your butt. So, it should be pretty interesting. So, <laughs>
0: I'm not going to make any comment about a denominational shift as a result of our after-church activities, but nevertheless, really, truly, thank you all so much. As we go through these names and the different teachers that are involved, this represents years and years and years, decades of commitment to training the next generation for the Lord, to to making sure that, that, that we study to show ourselves approved before our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ as we seek his face together. So, thank you so much, teachers. This is a new year. It's a new opportunity to get involved, and we're happy to help you get involved in any way, shape, or form. Now, um, one more announcement, and then we're going to get started. Friday Fellowship is moved from the 16th. It's going to be this coming Friday, to the 23rd, so that there's no conflict with the Women's Retreat. Um, Generally, going forward, it will remain the first and third Friday evenings, okay? Now, um, I think that that's all I need to announce. Again, please stay for our meal afterwards. Visitors especially join us, And, and again, what a delight it is that we are here together, that the Lord has given us this time. Let's prepare our hearts for worship now as Donna leads us in the prayer
2: our call to worship
0: this morning comes from psalm 107 and pay attention to this because it very much has to do with where we're going to be in god's word later during the sermon but psalm 107 tells us Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His faithfulness endures forever. And this is it. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. You know, in God's Word, there's a greater component to remembering than simply recalling something to mind. We are called to testify. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, that He has redeemed them from the power of the foe and has gathered them from the lands, from the east and the west, from the north and the south. My friends, we're here because of the Lord's gracious kindness. We're here because of his mercy. We're here because he is building a people for himself. And you're part of that. And we have no greater cause for worship than this, that instead of leaving us alone on our own, he calls us together to be his very own. Let's now go to our Lord in prayer, after which we'll pray the Lord's Prayer and say the Apostles' Creed together. But let's go to him now. Our God and our Father, what a blessing it is that you have called us here, that that you have given us this opportunity right here, right now, to do what your word says, to say so, to proclaim your greatness, to recognize what you have done for us, all your blessings and mercy and kindness that that we did nothing to earn and we could never (coughs) repay. Father, please guide us right now by your Holy Spirit as we lift up songs of praise, as we go to you in prayer, as we study your word. By your Holy Spirit, work in our hearts that we would see Jesus Christ, that we would proclaim his greatness and that this time would be pleasing to you. We pray these things in Christ's name and we also pray as he taught us to pray by saying, our Father, who
2: art in heaven,
0: And now, as we say the Apostles' Creed together, let me ask you, Christian, what is it that you believe? I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. Um, And now we come to a special point in our service where, where is Patsy Brevard? Patsy, there we go. Oh, the children are down front. Okay, great. Amanda is going to lead our children, but our children from Children's Church are going to offer music. Now, last time, y'all don't know how intimidating you guys are. It was really kind of frightening for them, and so they didn't sing very loud. I don't know if that's going to happen again. I hope it doesn't happen again, but I'll ask our children to come on down right now. But they're going to lead us, but we have the words, and it's a hymn. Oh, goodness also another hymn here. Let's see here. Oh, we don't have the words. I thought that we had the words, but it's God will take care of you. And if you don't know the course, then you, or if you don't know the verses, you probably know the course. So let's uh, turn our attention to the children as they lead us now. Number fourteen. <clears throat> Thank you very much, kids. And now, let us stand together as we return our praise and sing Bible song number 209, which is the 100th song. Please stand with me as we sing. seated. Children, we've got most of you right here. Other children, come on down for the children's sermon. We'll let y'all sit right there in the middle over there. How about that? Oh,
2: over here, sweetheart. All righty.
0: Well, good morning, everybody. And y'all did a wonderful job singing for us this morning. I want you to know how much I appreciated that. I hope you paid attention to the words. Maybe y'all have heard me do that in big church sometimes, right? I tell the adults, either before we sing or after we sing, I always say, pay attention to the words that you sing because there's a very important message in what y'all just sang. The chorus goes, God will take care of you. It's so important for us to remember and to trust that God will take care of you. And it's appropriate, it's fitting that you guys sang that song this morning because of what I wanted to talk to you about today. Now, hopefully you guys remember, but the last several weeks we have been talking about prayer, right? Going to God, talking to God about how important prayer is because prayer is one of the ways that we know Jesus. And also prayer is important because of what the Bible tells us. Listen again, Ephesians 6.18 says, Pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all of the Lord's people. All right, so the Bible tells us that God wants us to talk to him, wants us to go to him. But sometimes it's difficult to know what to pray for. Now, that's what we've been focusing on on Sunday mornings. Now, I bet that some of you remember what we can use to help us remember. Remember, Chloe? What can we use to help us remember? That's right, when we fold our hands Folding our hands when we pray is important, right? Because we can be fidgety, we can get distracted if you're like me. But if you fold your hands, your fingers can help you remember what you should pray for. Who you should pray for, right? That's right. Yeah, we start with our thumbs because our thumbs are closest to us, right? And our thumbs can help us remember to pray for the people that are closest to us pointer fingers come next. Our pointer fingers can help us to remember to pray for those who point us in the direction we should go. People like teachers, people like me. People who teach us, right? Who direct us. The tall man, right? That middle finger. The tall man can help us to remember to pray for those that are in authority over us. Those that stand tall like rulers and and judges and people like that. And then this finger comes next. That's what we talked about last week. Remember we called it the ring finger because that's the finger we wear our rings on but also this finger is called the weak man because this finger is weaker than all our other fingers it's not nearly as strong as the rest that finger can help us remember to pray for those who are weak for those who might be sick those who might be struggling those people who might be in trouble now what comes last the pinky that's right now the pinky is extremely important when we pray. You why? Because it's our pinky fingers that can help us to remember to pray for ourselves. You know, the Bible talks a lot about what should be important to us and what we ought to do. The Bible teaches us that the number one thing in our life should be our relationship with God. Right? The number two thing in life should be loving other people. Right? We should put other people in front of ourselves. And we come last. But we should never forget to pray for ourselves. You know, you guys just sang a few minutes ago, God will take care of you no matter what happens. And that's true. If you're happy, if you're sad, if you're scared, if you feel alone, if you feel angry, if you feel tired, you can always go to the Lord and ask for him to help you. God loves you so much that he even tells you to come not just for the things that you need. He tells you to come to him for the things that you want. He loves you and he wants to bless you. So let's not forget to pray, especially pray for ourselves because that shows that we really trust the Lord. Let me pray for you. Our Father, I thank you for these children. I pray that you Amen. would work in their hearts, that no matter what they face, they would always know that they can turn to you. I pray that for the rest of us as well. Sometimes it's very easy to pray for other people and other things. But when it comes to us trusting you enough to bring our wants to you, sometimes we fail at that. So help us not to forget to pray for ourselves. And I pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, y'all can go to children. And now as they are going, let's go to the Lord in silent prayer. And then I will lead us in the past world prayer. And don't forget to pray for yourself. Let's go to him now. Eternal God and Heavenly Father, what a blessing it is to be here right now, to have this time, to have our own experiences of your faithfulness, and to have the testimony of your word that all points to the fact that you are magnificent, that none compare to you, whether it's in your power and your might or whether it's in your care, your provision, the way that you love us with a love that is perfect and as a result, a love that is comprehensive. You love us, Father, knowing us better than we know ourselves. You love us knowing those secret things that sometimes we don't even recognize. You love us enough to send your one and only son to be the sacrifice and the substitute for our sins, taking all of our sins on himself and as a result, purchasing for us eternal life and fellowship with you. Father, all of these things are true and yet it is so easy to forget. Whether it is the temptation of the evil one that would lead us astray or whether it's just the day-to-day life, the fact that we put our head down and here it is Uh, almost halfway through September. Here it is, September 11th, 21 years ago. This event that touched our nation took place. And and how can 21 years have passed? And it, it simply illustrates the fact that this life moves so fast that we would be tempted to forget. Forget not only those things that have had such a profound impact on us as a nation. And we do remember, Father, we pray for our nation in light of today that, that we would once again regain that sense of unity that was here for a brief glimmer. That we would once again be able to prioritize that which is good and true and right and let the nonsense fade away. So yes, we remember, but Father, help us to remember more importantly, the 9-11, help us to remember you. As we go through the day-to-day grind of life, As we face the next challenge. And there's always a next one. Father. Help us to keep our eyes trained on you. The one who has preserved us. The one who does promise peace. And presence. And newness and renewal. Instead of getting so bogged down that we miss you. Father we won't do this apart from your Holy Spirit. As we contemplate how you work, the promise of your Son to send the Helper, your Spirit that dwells within us as a deposit guaranteeing our salvation, give us grateful hearts, yet also help us to see our need for reliance on you. The world is so quick to offer alternatives, to offer fixes, to offer different ways that will fulfill us, and they all fall flat. <coughs> Help us to focus on you and the glory of Jesus Christ and the gift of your spirit. We pray this in light of the day-to-day grind that we face, but also in light of the challenges we face. Father, we pray for those that are not here, that desperately want to be. They're not here for different reasons. Many of them are facing medical difficulties. We pray that you would bring healing and comfort and peace And yet, Father, we know that we face other challenges as well. For those who are sad, we pray that you would bring joy. For those who are mourning, we pray that you would bring comfort. For those who are wondering, we pray that you would bring answers. Again, by your Holy Spirit. And Father, we pray this not only for ourselves. We pray for your church universal. This church that you are building, the redeemed of the Lord that we've read about from your word already. The redeemed whom you have given the charge to be those that bear testimony, that bear witness, that proclaim the glory of Jesus Christ. As the church faces challenges, struggles, fights, temptations, external challenges, persecution. We pray that the light of Christ would blaze forth and burn through all of these. And that your greatness would be proclaimed. Oh, Father, as we look at the world around us, and especially today, as we remember 9-11, we look at at the sin, the struggle, the strife, and we pray that first and greatest prayer of the church, come, Lord Jesus, come. And yet, Father, we also pray that we would be found among the faithful until such time happens. Father, please work in our hearts, and we pray it in Christ's name, amen. Amen. Um, and evil. Well, perhaps you have already noticed from your bullet, but today, excuse me, my throat is clogging up here, but today we are not going to be in the gospel according to John. That may be a welcome relief for some of you. I say that because we've been there for quite some time as we're in our current series on the seven I Am statements of Christ, the names of God, the Son, and the Scriptures. Instead today, given the fact that it's rally day, a day that, as I've talked about, sort of kicks off the year for Sunday school and Christian education as a whole, today I thought it appropriate to really challenge ourselves, not only because it's rally day, but because of what's going on in the world around us, to challenge ourselves and look at the concept of teaching the next generation. You know, this concept is prevalent throughout all of God's Word, that the idea of knowing the truth of God and then passing that truth down to the next generation. But where I think it is most plainly evident is in the book of Deuteronomy. Maybe you found that already in your bulletin. That's where we are today, Deuteronomy chapter 6. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn there with me. As you're turning there, I'd like for you to consider something, just to try to help you get into the mode of thought that will take you to where the ancient Israelites are uh, in this passage that we come to today. I wonder, can you look back on life and pick out a few events that you just know were of such vast importance, that they shaped your life, that they developed into what your life has become? Can you think of any of those key, pivotal moments in your life I can think of a few, right? Moments of such importance that I remember even the sights. I remember the sounds of those moments. I remember standing at the front of Haygood Avenue Baptist Church in Barnwell, South Carolina. It was January the 3rd, 2004, and it was 80 degrees in South Carolina. But nevertheless, I I don't just remember the weather, because it was hot, y'all. I remember being in the front of a church and I remember beat out of my vision playing in a set of music. And then I remember the music changing. And the back door opening and seeing my wife, to me, start to walk down the aisle. I knew that was one of those moments. I, I can remember the moment, <clears throat> May 1st, 2008, when Isabella was born. How I picked her up for the first time. I still remember what it felt like when she gripped my finger. I knew that life would never be the same. Uh, I can remember July 1st, 2007, when I was ordained to be a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I remember offering my very first benediction that day. Now, these are only three specific moments, but boy... Were they big ones? So big, in fact, that, that I suspected then, and I know now that the Lord used those pivotal moments to make me who I am and to shape the course of my entire life. Y'all, the reason I start with that is because that's the kind of moment that we come to in Deuteronomy 6 for God's people, Israel. In our passage today, Israel is presented with some decisions that they have to make. They are any of their nation. It will either make them or break them. So that's the setting. Let's read from God's Word and see what this pivotal moment is all about. You should be in Deuteronomy chapter 6. We're going to start reading in verse 1. But before we read anything, let's go to our Lord in prayer. Our God and our Father, as we come to your Word, please guide us. We are reading about the events of ancient Israel. There, on the banks of the Jordan, on the cusp of conquest. And so we may be tempted to say, what in the world does this have to do with September the 11th, 2022 in Spotswood, Virginia? Yet, Father, your word is living and active. Though indeed this uh, passage that we are reading details the events from so long ago, it is so applicable to us today. Yet, Father, we'll miss it without the guidance of your Holy Spirit. If you don't turn the lights on, as your word says, in thy light shall we see light. If you don't turn the lights on, we won't see. So Father, please guide us. Work in our hearts and our minds that we would understand, that we would comprehend, yes, but then so that we would take that next step and see how your word applies to our lives. So please guide us now. And we pray all of these things in Christ's name. Amen. So Deuteronomy chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. Hear now the word of the Lord. It says, this is the command, the statutes and ordinances the Lord your God has commanded me to teach you, so that you may follow them in the land you are about to enter and possess. Do this so that you may fear the Lord your God all the days of your life by keeping all his statutes and commands I'm giving you, your son and your grandson and so that you may have long life. Listen, Israel, and be careful to follow them so that you may prosper and multiply greatly because the Lord, the God of your ancestors, has promised you a land flowing with milk and honey. Listen, Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These words, that I am giving you today are to be in your heart. Repeat them to your children. Talk about them when you sit in your house and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Bind them as a sign on your hand and let them be a symbol on your forehead. Write them on the doorpost of your house and on your city gates. When the Lord your God brings you into the land He swore to your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that He would give you, a land with large and beautiful cities that you did not build, houses full of every good thing that you did not fill them with, cisterns that you did not dig, and vineyards and olive groves that you did not plant. And when you eat and are satisfied, be careful not to forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the place of slavery. And we'll stop reading right there. May God bless the leaders of His holy, inerrant, and infallible Word. Amen. Amen. Now, before I began reading, I mentioned that Israel is at this make-or-break moment, one of those pivotal moments of life, their existence that changes everything. Did you catch it? Do you see why this is the case? Well, if not, that's okay, because a lot of the reason, I'm hinted at it, but a lot of the reason that this is such a pivotal moment is because of the context of our passage. So what's really going on here? Well, let's consider. We picked up in chapter 6 of Deuteronomy, and again, Israel is on the cusp of conquest, right? They are finally about to cross the Jordan to take possession of the promised land. And who we picked up with here in chapter 6 is Moses, addressing the people one last time. Now, you might say, (laughs) what do you mean, one last time? Well, if you know your Bible history, your Bible stories well enough, you'll know that prior to this, Moses grossly misrepresented God. God told Moses to speak to the rock and he struck it instead in anger. And as a result, God told him, you will not be going into the promised land. And before you say, well, wait a second, why is God so severe with Moses? Y'all, Moses was God's representative and he misrepresented God. Moses is considered the most faithful servant in all of God's house. That didn't change this, but nevertheless, he was told very clearly, you will not be entering the promised land with the Israelites. And so where we come to today is he's giving one last address. That's that's what the book of Deuteronomy is. And this in itself, the fact that this is one last opportunity for Moses, that ought to tell us something about why this is such a pivotal moment. Moses was the only leader they ever knew after all. You know, it was Moses... That God came to in the burning bush and said, you will be the one who goes to deliver my people. It was Moses who stood before Pharaoh saying, let my people go. And then called down plagues on Egypt from God in order to assure their deliverance. It was Moses who was entrusted with the Ten Commandments, the law itself. It was Moses that had led them through the wilderness up to this point, guiding them. Guarding them as God's representative all along the way. Moses had done all of these things as God's prophet and representative. And now he's about to leave them. And Joshua is going to take his place. Yet before he does, Moses in the book of Deuteronomy, he's addressing the people a final time. Giving them final instructions. Restating the law of God to them as God's prophet. And so what he has to say is of such importance. But whether or not they follow what he says, that's what makes this the crucial moment in their history. So that's the context of where we started reading. Let's get back to our text where we picked up in chapter 6. As we read, Moses is there. He's addressing the people of Israel before they cross into the promised land. And you don't have to get too far into the passage to figure out why this moment is so pivotal. Again, look at verses 1 and 2. He says, this is the command." The statutes and ordinances the Lord your God has commanded me to teach you so that you may follow them in the land you're about to enter and to possess. Do this so that you may fear the Lord your God all the days of your life by keeping all of his statutes and commands I'm giving you. Your son and your grandson so that you may have a long life. Again, you don't have to read very far to figure out this is a big deal. My goodness, think about what we just read. Let me translate a little bit. Moses has just said here that their entire relationship with God going into the future hinges on whether or not they're going to listen to him. That's what that whole bit in verse 2 is. Do this so that you may fear the Lord your God all the days of your life. And there at the end of verse 2. And so that you may have a long life. Now this ought to tell us something. It's a side note, but obedience to God is something that should never be something that we say we'll just get to one of these days. You know, sometimes we fool ourselves into thinking that one of these days will be faithful. One of these days I'll commit. One of these days I'll trust. One of these days I'll turn away from this sin and instead do the thing that I know that I ought to do. Y'all, loving God is about decisions that you make today, right now. Because you can't separate loving God from obeying God. The worst lies are the ones that we tell ourselves. If you don't care about obeying God today, you will not care about obeying God tomorrow. One of the biggest tricks Satan pulls is trying to convince us that we have time to obey later. Trust and obey God now. Alright, you must make this choice. That was the choice that was facing the people of ancient Israel. The choice they must make to follow the commands of God is pointed to them there in verse 2. But it really shows up in verse 3 when he says, Listen, Israel, and be careful to follow them so that you may prosper and multiply greatly because the Lord, the God of your ancestors, has promised you a land flowing with milk and honey. Y'all, things are getting serious here. Not only is their relationship with God at stake, according to God's word, their relationship with God is directly related to their future. And God makes the promise here through Moses that if they choose to follow God, that they will prosper greatly in this land they're inheriting. But y'all, that ought to tell us something. It's a two-sided promise. If what Moses is saying here is God promises you that if you trust and follow and love Him, that you'll prosper, well, that also means that rebelling against God means that you won't. Following God for them equaled prosperity. Rebellion would result in destruction. Destruction. So again, this is a pivotal moment here. It's a serious business. Their, their whole future is stake. The question that they must ask is, will they love God? This is what they have to answer. Will they love God? That's the first choice that they are given here to make. And again, don't lie to yourself. Your relationship with God is not based on your performance and keeping God's law. But y'all, if you don't care about what God's word says, if you don't care about God's word, you don't care about God. And the first choice that they have to make is, again, will they love God? Now we need to be careful here. There's very few people that would say, oh, no, no, I hate God. But remember what his word says about really loving him. God equates doing what his word says, trusting him, following him, relying on him. These are the things that equal love. Not an emotional feeling and not a nominal attachment. So that was their first choice that they had to make. Second choice that they would face is present in verse 6. After telling people again that God is one, and I hate to just graze over verse 4 because verse 4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord thy God, the Lord is one. That's kind of like a preamble to their constitution as a nation, right? But we've got to keep on moving. But after setting them apart from all the other nations, Moses presents to them the second choice they must make. Look at verse 6 and following with me. It says, these words, this is Moses speaking to him again. These words that I am giving you today are to be in your heart. Repeat them to your children. Talk about them when you sit in your house and when you walk along the road. When you lie down and when you get up, up. bind them as a sign on your hand and let them be a symbol on your forehead. Write them on the doorpost of your house and on your city gates. Do you see the second choice they have to make? The second choice that will either make or break them as a people all revolves around the choice that they must make regarding the next generation. Namely, will they teach their children to love God? Number one, they've got to decide if they're going to love God. But number two, they've got to decide if they're going to teach their children to love God. As a side note, now do you see why we took a break from our other series to focus on this for Rally Day, this time where we focus on Christian education? Again, think of the context of the passage. Israel's entire future is stretched out before them. But first they have to choose if they're going to love God, and then they have to choose if they're going to teach their children to love God because that directly impacts the entire future of their nation. If they choose to love God, and this is important, if they choose to love God and yet fail to teach their children to do the same? What would their future be? Well, I'm glad you asked because we don't have to guess. We have lots of examples of this in God's Word, but as I said, Moses is about to be taken to heaven by the Lord. Joshua will replace him. And if you know your books of the Bible, you know, say, you know numbers. I mean, Joshua, and then what comes next? The book of Judges. And what do we find at the very beginning of Judges? It says there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord or the work that he had done for Israel. A moment ago, I said, what would their future be if only they loved the Lord but didn't teach their children to love the Lord? The book of Judges is their future, where the saddest person in all of the Bible, I believe, is at the end that says, In those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Why? Again, because a generation arose that didn't know the Lord. And before you think, Yeah, well, what does that have to do with us today? Look around you. Look around you. Pay attention to what's going on in the world around you. You see a generation that has arisen that doesn't know the Lord. A generation that basically has zero sense of accountability for anything that matters. They've been taught that they're the product of cosmic chance with evolution. That there is no God. And if there is, that he or she is just loving and benevolent and isn't holy and doesn't require anything of you. I'm okay. You're okay. We're all okay. Nothing really matters. You see a generation that's built nothing and wants to destroy everything. You see disaster and destruction and foolishness everywhere that manifests itself in so many different ways. That's why the decision that the Israelites face there, will they teach their children to love God? That's why it's so pivotal, so so life altering so important for the future, and not only their well-being, but for their children's. If you doubt that, again, look at what happened in Judges right after Joshua's death. You see, destruction. That's why they had to choose. And that's why we must choose to know and love the Lord and pass this down to our children. If you don't see that, then look around. They had the choice to make. We must make that choice. The question is, how do we do it? Well, praise be to God. He tells us where to start in Deuteronomy chapter 6 as he told them where to start. And where it starts... Is in what we just read in verses 6 through 9. Okay. First off. And this is convicting for me. But if your child is going to grow to love the Lord. With all of his or her heart. Then that must start with where verse 6 starts. These words that I'm giving you today. Are to be in your heart. Before your children will love God. We must live out that love. They have to see it in you. And the second way that we must live this out, that our children must see it, It's through our faith being abundant in everything that we do. That's why Moses in verses 7 through 9, he gives all these different aspects of life. Whether you're sitting at home, whether you're walking along the road, whether you're lying down, whether you're getting up. Tie them as symbols on your hands. Write them on the doorpost of your house and on the gates of your city. Put simply, Moses is saying here that if they choose to teach the fear of the Lord and loving the Lord to the next generation, it's got to be comprehensive. It must be present in all areas of life. And if you all want to know what's going on in modern day America and in modern day Christianity, I think this is it. We're so good at compartmentalizing life, aren't we? We have a work life, we have a family life, we have a recreational life, we have a sports life, we have a this life, we have a that life, we have a church life. We have a holy hour. may be upset that we're not worshiping at 11 but instead are at 10 but but we have this holy hour we have all these little nice compartments all these little nice boxes that we put everything in is that the faith that moses is talking about here no he says if you're going to teach the next generation they have to see this faith in every area of life so to that end do you dialogue with your children and if you say "Well, my children are all grown do you dialogue with the next generation when we baptize children here, we take vows, don't we? To help raise those children in the fear and admonition of the Lord. One of the reasons I celebrate Sunday school is the faithfulness of our teachers. Teachers like Vicki and others who dedicate so much time and attention to this. And it makes such a vast difference in the lives of children to be loved by people that aren't related to them. Do you know that? I think a Christian Carrion and youth group and their commitment to love those teenagers, they are there. Y'all. And there are so many people in this church that do that. But do you do it? And if your response is, I don't, I, I don't know how. I, I don't know how to engage. Well, God's word is about to tell you how. And what God is about to say to the ancient Israelites is also for you and me today, and it is of such vast importance, so important that it is the pivotal make or break moment for ancient Israel, yes, but for you and me today, for our families, for all providence. Are you ready? Because here it is. How do you do it? How do we teach the next generation? Verse 10, Moses said, when the Lord your God brings you into the land, he swore to your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that he would give you a land with large and beautiful cities you did not build, Houses full of every good thing that you did not build them with. Cisterns that you didn't dig. And vineyards and olive groves that you did not plant. And when you eat eat and are satisfied, this is it. Be careful not to forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Out of the place of slavery. My friends, how do you teach the next generation to love the Lord, to know the Lord? How do we ensure the prosperity of future generations? And I don't mean that false prosperity garbage that the TV preachers talk about. I'm talking about real prosperity. Knowing and loving the Lord. You know where it starts? It starts with one word. It starts with the word Remember. 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 Moses said to the ancient Israelites. Knowing that he wasn't going with them, he said, when you get there, (sighs) when you enjoy all these blessings that God has given you that you did nothing to earn, and don't think for a second this doesn't apply to you, you might say, well, I've never gone into a city that I didn't build, I've never gotten a a, a vineyard that that I didn't plant, I've never had a house that I didn't, y'all, you have been blessed beyond measure. By virtue of the fact that you are here today, seated here today, you are going to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ and you. I hope that you know how blessed you are to hear it because there's loads of people that have not and they're dying and going to hell. By virtue of the fact that we are in the United States with electricity, with clean water, we have been blessed beyond measure. But what Moses said to them is when you get there, when you enjoy these things, when you've eaten them, when you've had your fill, Be careful not to forget the Lord. Moses puts his finger on the very thing that we're tempted to do, and that is to become complacent, to become apathetic, to get so comfortable with life or to get so entrenched in the the day-to-day of life, to get so carried away with the goings-on and the things that we think are so important but aren't really important at all that we can forget what the Lord has done for us. And he doesn't stop there. If you were to jump to verse 20, you'd find this. Moses says, along the same line, he says, when your son, and you could put daughter in here, but when your son or daughter ask you in the future, what is the meaning of the decrees, the statutes, and ordinances that the Lord our God has commanded you? Pause right there before you read verse 21. Do you get what he's saying here? When your children ask you, what is following God all about? Why do we go to church? Why do you love the Lord? When your son asks you in the future, when your daughter asks you in the future, what's the meaning of these things? Verse 21, tell him. Tell him. We were slaves of Pharaoh in Egypt. But Jehovah brought us out of Egypt with a strong hand. Do you get it? Do you see? If you and I don't remember what the Lord has done for us, you might say, I was never a slave in Egypt. You were a slave to sin. You might still be. But the Lord can bring you out of it. But if you know Jesus Christ, then your message is the exact same as it was for ancient Israel. The Lord has delivered you. He's made you alive in Christ. You are a slave. You were dead in your transgressions. But the Lord made you alive. And if you and I don't remember what the Lord has done for us, and remember doesn't just mean recall, but if we don't live in light of what God has done for us, we will never pass that on to the next generation. Why? Because they've got to see it. They've got to hear it. And while this generation has issues, they're real good at gauging what's real and not real. That's why they keep looking for the genuine article and can't find it anywhere because the genuine article is Jesus Christ alone. They've got to see it. We've got to be able to tell them why they should love the Lord, why they should trust Him, why they should keep His commands and do as He says, why they should love Him. We must remember. And we must testify. And that's the third choice for Israel that they're facing that day. My clicker has stopped working here, it seems. That's okay, Jeff, it's fine. Third choice that they faced is would they remember and would they testify? Will you remember and will you testify? There's a great quote, and I'm sorry that the screen is messed up, <clears throat> because the quote comes from Kevin DeYoung. He mentions the fact that we are all natural evangelists for the things that we know and love. And isn't that true? You know? You might think, man, how in the world could I tell somebody Jesus about Jesus? Where does Where does evangelism start? If you know him and love him, then you would know. Because remembering Jesus is evangelism. Simply telling others what he's done for you is evangelism. I talked about this in the daily devotional, with this I'm done, but we complicate things, right? We turn evangelism into this scary prospect of what happens if I don't know what to say, or what if they ask this question, or what if they ask that question over there? What will I do? What will I say? Where do I go? Y'all, in being evangelist and telling other people about Jesus, all we have to do is tell them what we've seen. There's a reason it's called testimony. It's testimony as in a court of law. Thank you, Jeff. We have the opportunity to simply say what we've seen. Will we do it? The future depends on it. All of this assumes one thing. Do you know Jesus? If you don't, ask him to be Lord of your life and he will. This testimony can be yours. This experience can be yours. But if you've done that, trust him. Convey his faithfulness to the next generation. Let's pray. Our God and our Father, what a blessing it is to know and love you, but even more so to be known and to be loved by you. Forgive us for missed opportunities, those times that we've had to testify to your glory, to your majesty, and instead help us to look, to pay attention for the opportunities that you bring our way. Father, we thank you for the awesome privilege, the responsibility, the task, of glorifying you through proclaiming your greatness to the next generation. Help us to be about your business. For those who do not know you, oh, Father, that they would turn to you today, right now. And we pray it all in Christ's name, amen. Now, as we close together, actually, it's not in the hymn book. There's an insert in your bulletin, and it has the the name Unchangeable, but... It's the hymn that we know and love is as Greatest as Thy Faithfulness. So please stand with me as we turn there and sing today. As Greatest as Thy Faithfulness. Please stand. stay and enjoy lunch with us next door. Let me pray for our meal and then I'll offer the benediction. Our God and our Father, what a blessing it is to have this time together. A fellowship that lies ahead. We pray for your blessings in it, that you will bless the food and the time that they would both be nourishing to us in their own ways. And we pray it in Christ's name. Amen. Receive the benediction. May the grace and the peace and the love and the fellowship of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit be upon you both now and forevermore. (music) Thank <music>